Hello, everybody. Today, we have a great guest, George McGarren, who for close to 20 years has run a national executive search recruiting firm, mostly dealing with executive search and leadership at the C-suite level, so meaning like CEO, CFO, CTO, etc. His clients include small startups to global organizations, most companies that you will have heard of or products that you have been impacted by. And besides managing his recruiting firm, he also works with similar executives in terms of helping them empower their careers, both on the branding and coaching side of the business. He was an amazing guest. He had so much great information for people that are looking for jobs right now and for people that might want to work with a recruiter and things like that. Also, he's just got a dynamic personality. He's got a ton of energy and you can just tell that working with him would be an incredible experience. He certainly is the type of guy that shows a lot of care for his clients. So absolutely. Anybody looking for a job will learn a lot from this podcast and and as Bobby said George is just a really great guy so you'll enjoy his interview we hope <laughs> yeah definitely all right let's get to the podcast let's do it welcome George McGarren to all things college and career thanks for doing the podcast today Megan and Bobby it's good to good to catch up with you and I love uh, I love the energy from both of you it's it's uh so that's charismatic. It's just, it's contagious. So thanks for that. Oh, yeah. awesome. Well, we appreciate that. And Definitely. That must, be, must be a sister thing, right? You know? <laughs> but anyway, so hey, where are we talking to you from today? So I live five miles outside of New York City. So I know you have, you've had a couple of these guests that do this New York, New Jersey thing. So I'm, I'm also, in, yeah. And uh, I'm also in New Jersey, you know, super close to, to New York City. From where we live, we can literally see... New York City. So it's, nice. uh, yeah, nice. so it's, it's a cool, uh, yeah, I mean, there's good and bad, right? But it, it's a right. cool area to live in. Oh, absolutely. I love that whole area. I'm a little jealous of people that have such easy access to the city, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nice living in Maine with uh, the quarantine. It'd be you know, really kind of nice to be able to spread out up here. But so we always like to start our podcast by asking our guests three things they love about their jobs or their careers. So could you please share with us three things that you love about being the founder and president of the executive search firm, the McGarren Group? Right. And it's a great question. Um, I think the first thing is that I get to, it doesn't feel like, I mean, first of all, it doesn't feel like work at all. I feel like I'm doing mm-hmm. this for, quite frankly, for free, right? It just feels yeah. just, a, so that's that's a great thing to have fallen into. I get to work with amazing people and I get to help, I mean, I get to help amazing people, right? Where I, at least from the recruiting side and on the career development side, I kind of know that if I'm helping somebody right now, I might indirectly be helping their kids, their their grandkids, their just, you know, mm. their future generate future generations of that namesake. And uh, that to me is just, I think it's like the coolest thing ever. The second thing I really like about it is because I talk to all these different types of people from different countries and, and different backgrounds. Um, mm. You get a really cool grasp on the world, you know, and like what's, what's about yeah. to happen. I think it's just a cool, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm hearing about things before it happens or so that's kind of cool. And the third thing is that I really, really like about it is and this is just from a business standpoint, from a from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I haven't had a paycheck for twenty years, right? So <laughs> it's yeah. it's the I don't know. There's this like self sort of you're just like okay, cool. I don't like I was able to figure this out for twenty years where I didn't actually have a paycheck, you know? Right. And, uh, <laughs> right. 
there's there's some of that. Most of the time, I get to control who I'm with, where I'm at, and you know how and I your spend time, my day. And, your schedule, right? Yeah, and I get right. to help people, right? Like I get to help super nice people. I've had situations where literally I've like painted candidates and clients' houses, and you know, help the kids out. Wow. And, I don't know. Yeah, so it's <laughs> you really super cool. get to know your uh, clients well. Yeah, yeah. that is uh, outside the normal call of duty for sure, but. Could you tell us how you got started? What drew you into the world of recruiting, executive recruiting, I guess I should say? And can you tell us a little bit about your history and that story? So I, I did. I mean, I kind of did this whole thing where I was like, okay, I went to, you know, I went to decent schools and I was, ta- I was taught when I was a kid, hey, go to school, get a job, work there for 50 years and then retire. That was, that's what I was taught, right? <laughs> oh, boy, so yeah. that was my, I mean, that's what a lot of us were taught, right? Like it was yeah, like right, the steady, yeah. they call it the steady Eddie, you know, syndrome or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the plan. And uh, I kind of did that for a little bit. I had this opportunity, which if you're like, you know, for some of your audience, I was hanging out in New York City, working in this company for one of the big fours and on a Thursday. I got a call from a recruiter in Miami this is like January, right? This is like in 2000. I get a call from a recruiter and the guy's like, oh, we need to come down to Miami and, and like interview with us. And and we've got this awesome opportunity. And so the next day I was in Miami in January. And uh, nice. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, you guys know how like the difference in the Northeast and like January oh, yeah. versus Florida is a totally. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's so I, nice getting off that plane. Oh, yeah. my God. And, you know, you're like, wow. You know, and Whoa. this is. This like super clear, crystal. It's just like this. Yeah. yeah oh, like, what like, am I yeah. doing in the Northeast? Right. Exactly. Right. You know, you're like, this is how people. This is how people live. Like, wow. Right. And, uh, you know? Yeah. So th- that was exactly kind of. Mine. I was like, whoa, this is a cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. They're like, listen, we're gonna offer you a job. It was like thirty or forty thousand dollars more than I was making, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is nuts. But you have to start Monday, you know. I was like, uh, "Wow, okay." Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I guess as a parent, I'd probably tell my kid not to do that. My parents actually said not to do it, but I did it anyway. And yeah. uh, Monday, I was living and working in Miami, right? So this is like wow. two years later. Yeah, that's a big jump, right? There. Oh yeah, I was, didn't do any deal, due diligence, like who I was working for, who you know, where they were, if they could even afford to pay me, like zero. Right, right. Just, right. just, just, just did it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so three months into it. I walk into the office and like everybody's like just super super sad. They're like, oh my god, they're sad. It's it, it's like what happened. They're like, well, we we're gonna Germany was a German uh, company. Germany decided to close down the whole Miami office. You know, oh and, my uh, gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I can either go back to live in, live with my parents. They're gonna right. be, you know, they told they're, you so. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you didn't listen right? to us, George. I know. Right? And uh, they did tell me about like, hey, when you sign a contract, like when you buy your furniture, make sure that you have right. it written like that. That right. the company will actually pay for your furniture, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I did. Have you ever seen those furniture leases where like you you get it now and you pay like nine years later, seven years later? Oh yeah, I've heard about them. And yeah, yeah. Run, yeah, run away. Yeah, yeah. we've tried yeah, to like, avoid those. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, who's the who's who's the sucker that does that? Right. Well, I was, yeah, right. I was the guy, right? So I did that. <laughs> so, so so I had you know I had an apartment, a lease that I'd signed for a year. Oh and, yeah, you were yeah, locked under, in. Uh, yeah, under my name, furniture. Like I could pay back, and I think it was seven years with rooms to go, which is you know it's like. Like, yeah, like yeah, purgatory uh, forever. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I was like, okay, we're, you know, we're gonna close in the office. You're unemployed. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I, I asked the girl next to me. I'm like, what do I do? She's like, well, go to the unemployment office. They'll pay you while you're looking for a job, right? I mean, I was so. <laughs> Yeah, I, naive. I, you didn't know what you were doing, right? Zero clue. Zero clue, right? And yeah. uh, 
So I do that. I go to Miami. And I mean, I'm, I'm through this Miami unemployment office and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this is this, this is me in my 20s thinking, and this is, you know, like, forgive me in my 20s. I was thinking, man, like, look at all these people. Like, look at look at all these losers here, like to the left, to the right, you know? Yeah. And, then mm-hmm. and then I then I don't know. It's like you slap yourself in the face. And I was like, they're probably thinking the same thing about me. Right. Like, yeah. look at me. <laughs> right. And, and, guy? Uh, yeah. And then, I mean, later on, you get older, you realize it's just like people have situations, you know, you don't. Right. But when you're younger, right. you know, you think you're unstoppable, which is so oh, not yeah. the case. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like you're not unstoppable. Like everybody's replaceable. And, you know, you learn that later. But. Um, so I, I get employment and then I start looking for a job and I'm like, all right, I need to start my, like, I was thinking I'll never have this happen ever again. I'm going to get a job. I'll let them finance, you know, my job search to some extent, and then I'll start a business, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh, so I was going, I was doing like the recruiter round, you know, you go like recruiter, 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 recruiter thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one recruiter called him the recruiter dude. He was like impeccably dressed and well-spoken and he was smart. And I thought, man, I could really do this, you know, like I could, I should be him, you know? Yeah. And, And, uh, so that was it. So I convinced him and you had a guest who talks about like, hey, you need to convince people to, to hire you. I think it was Austin. Austin, uh, I forget his last yeah. name. Was he Austin Belsack. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Like awesome guest. Like for the people who haven't listened to that one, like awesome show. Thank you. And he's yeah. awesome. Very, yeah. very good, right? and, he gave, yeah. and he gives and he gives great advice, right? Like great the, advice. The advice was is solid. I was listening to it. And I was thinking, okay, like this is terrific advice. So yep. so um, uh, so I convinced this guy to, to hire me, right? He hires me two months into it, three months into it. He was, I mean, he was just very nice. He was like, hey, George. Like you're talented at this, you should start your own business. You know, like we're probably gonna end up really? fighting. Yeah, he was wow. cool. He was, he was very nice, and uh, and that's what I did. So I started my business, and then it got worse for like the, f- the next three years because because yeah. uh, starting a business usually, yeah, a lot of times will go that way, right? It's gonna get bad before it gets better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I I used to be the kind I would I wouldn't plan for literally anything, like zero planning, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and obviously I didn't have a business plan. I didn't plan about who I would pay anything. And uh, I did that, but I, I got lucky. I mean, I worked hard. I was always a hard worker and I woke up early and I was like super positive when people would tell me no, no, no. And I just didn't care, you know? And I used to always think of this baseball example about like, if you bat 330, you're failing, you know, you're 600, you know, 67% of the time, like you're in the hall of fame, right? I'm thinking, well, right, 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 exactly. Yeah. So I was, yeah, I mean, I was always <laughs> That's nice, a great really. point. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's, it's like failing is part of winning, right? Like you need to be able right. to fail. Right. um, The years of not planning probably have taught you to plan now. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. And now with everything, now it's like, they use the word strategic, but strategic is just a nice word for like plan because if not, you're going to get in trouble. You know, so, uh, so I did, so I, I built it up to 50 people, this recruiting business, right? All my clients were banks and financial institutions. <laughs> so I... How did you even get that first client? What was the step you took? Right. I placed an administrative assistant for Merrill Lynch, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't, it wasn't really like my, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know how to search for administrative assistants, but I just knew, okay, like she seemed like a pretty nice person and Merrill Lynch hired her. I asked her a very important question. I said, hey, could you introduce me to the person that runs the whole thing? And like, it was like a crazy, crazy ask. Like, I want to know, like, who is the person who runs the all of Merrill Lynch? Right. And uh, she was like, well, not really. I don't even know him. But like the the guy that runs the whole East Coast, like he's coming in town. I could just mention to him, maybe I could set up a, I could put it on his calendar and you could just kind of call him and. You know, it was there like this whole, so I think as a younger person, you need to ask questions and, mm-hmm. and you need to, right. And the you know, worst like, thing that can happen, someone just says, sorry, I can't do that. But well, yeah, exactly. Straight. Right. And, and you can, yeah. you can ask in a nice way. Right. So, yeah. 
I remember one of Bobby's first engineering jobs. She called up this company and spoke to the third person, like the third one in charge, you know, <laughs> not the, the owner. It was a CTO. Right. Yeah. The CTO. Yeah. And just yeah. called him right to his desk, you know, and somehow and he I got put through. Yeah. And, and he hired her. <laughs> it was just, he did. But well, that you was, have to ask. Yeah. You I have to right. ask. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yep, just, yep. yeah. I think in hindsight, she was like, wow, I can't believe I called him and that he took my call, you know? Right. And and, and I'll tell you this. I mean, this is just like for people that have for people that have like phone fear or they're just voices on the other side of the of the air or the or the line. There's a possible I mean, there's a better chance that you won't meet them than you will because they're probably going to reject you. Right. Correct. Right. Exactly. um, But they're just voices like in your it's almost it's like having a voice in your head to some extent. So you have to. You kind of have to minimize, you know, the, the rejection piece of it. But every time you get rejected, I mean, you're one time you're sort of one time closer to getting accepted, right? So it's it's uh, <laughs> right. given it's, the it's baseball a, analogy, yeah, that's yeah, one of yeah, your yeah. right. <laughs> so I I was lucky, and I and I built up my business from that. My my business today, I mean, um, I think I mentioned we do it's in, the recruiting piece does about eight was does eight figures. I still Amazing. today. Everybody that we work with or I talk to as a practice, I literally ask, hey, like, who else do you know that I should be talking to? Right. Who do you know? And right. uh, it's a it's an easy, easy. It's a free. It takes five seconds to ask that question. And that five seconds can literally produce, you know, wonderful results. Right. So. Right. Um, so I built up a business literally by asking a referral. I mean, just asking, asking, asking. And uh, I don't know. I was just curious. Right. I was curious about mm. people. Um but I built up to 50 and then then all my clients were like banks and financial institutions. And then 2009, like all the banks went out of business. Right? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. So I was back to zero, you know. So, uh, wow. Uh, wow. so I was back to the and I hadn't. So to be fair, for the nine years, I hadn't planned very well. I hadn't saved very well. I hadn't, you know, like. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It was just a it was a disaster. So I had to start again and uh, yeah, I built it up. And, you know, now the model we have now is extremely strong, more profitable. And um, probably more, more diverse, not just banks, right? It, you know, exactly like that. Yeah, it, exactly. But there's a lot of techniques that I used when, when I was younger that I mm-hmm. still use today that mm-hmm. have taken me from making like $50,000 a year to like much, much more. Right. So mm. it's, um, yeah, which I think are useful. When I was younger, I wish I, I wish, I wish I knew, you know, I probably what you know now. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you were 21, what would you do again? Right. Well, so you that's know, kind the of my thing story. about so. it is 21 year old, they're not thinking in terms of getting helped in this direction. They're thinking, you know, um, just going out and getting a job, not necessarily creating a brand and doing it strategically. Well, right. And, and they're not, they have different responsibilities as well, right? Like their biggest, like what is their, you know, they have to pay school, they have to pay maybe a car, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, it's not really, it's not really a life or death situation, right? Like you're not, right. you're not, not feeding pressing. anyone. Right. Yeah. No children or no. host no mortgage to pay. Insurance right. is, is like mm-hmm. a is a side thought. Um right. yeah. you right. know, like and, and like even dental, like there's really no dental issues. Like I mean, most people don't have dental issues that you know, they, like you really don't have any of these. Your biggest problem is to pay maybe your cell phone, you know, some some hanging out money. Student your, loans, maybe, yeah, but your car. you know. But right. <laughs> nothing yeah. nothing like the burdens you might accrue later. Right. <laughs> All right. So as a recruiter, let's get into what you think are some of the best job seeking tips. You know, obviously, right now, as we're recording this, we're kind of eking out of the pandemic in the sense that people are going back to work, things are opening up. But I know a lot of people are unemployed and out of work. So if you could give us some some tips, I know resumes and LinkedIn and things of that nature, networking tips, but what could you share with our listeners? 
So there's probably three things that I could say mm-hmm. that they were, and these are tips that are useful for pretty much the, the whole sort of period of your career. And these are the same tips. I mean, like we're dealing with people that are that are running these large, just gigantic global companies, and mm-hmm. the tips actually apply to them as well as as well as it's some, as somebody coming out of school, right? So there's one thing, and I. And I don't know if folks know this, but there's a if you apply to a job online, there's I think statistically there's a two percent response rate of actual. Right. I don't know if it you know that. Sounds about but, yeah, yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. Yep. So on the other side, if you you know there's an eighty percent chance that you'll find your first role, your second role, your third role from six degrees of separation, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If you, if you have a you know you have a choice, you need to think about the eighty percent piece of it, and that that gets down to to and, and Austin kind of had reached upon this, which I think is. That's why sort of I'm in love with his advice because it's good advice. You, mm-hmm. you should t- you should get a piece of paper or your phone or a computer and just write down the who, the what, the why, the how, the when, the where, right? And mm-hmm. and think about that six degrees of separation because it's literally it's the best way to to sort of find a job, your first job. I, when you guys were kids, I don't know if this was my experience, but when I was 13 or 14, my first job, I told my but my dad's like, you need to get a job, right? So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So I knocked on the neighbor, <laughs> I, I knocked on the neighbor's door, you know, and I knocked on his door, and then the neighbor sent me to somebody else, you know, five blocks away, and then somebody else, and next thing you know, I had a job at like a deli, right? You know, right. yeah, right. At, and uh, that's your networking, early yeah. networking, right? Yeah, there. yeah. And that that technique, believe it or not, works really well for somebody out of school. You can do that, by the way. So let's say you, let's say you've got friends at college or university that maybe they were a year or two ahead of you, right? You can, I mean, really easily, you can go on LinkedIn, you go on Facebook, see where they ended up, right? Call them up and say, hey, listen, like I'm about to graduate. Can you make an introduction for me, you know what I mean, with your boss or- Absolutely. Or, mm-hmm. So you could you could literally, you could piggyback off a lot of people. If you've got brothers and sisters, right? People in your town and some of these sales organizations, they call it the power base, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. you need to think about your power base I need to think about, you know, who you can talk to, right? Because somebody for sure that you know, you know, is able to get your next, is your first, first or next or, you know, last job, right? So first thing is, you need to network with the best of them. Um, The second thing is, keep in mind when you network, and this is, I think, one of the mistakes that the kids and younger people make, is that they they stick to the technology and they're not worried about the face-to-face, right? Mm, And uh, like... If you, let's say you make you want to make fifty thousand dollars a year, right? And you're gonna and you're gonna work at a place for three or four years. That's literally it's a two hundred thousand dollar problem, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, you're not gonna solve a problem by sending an awesome text, you know. Just it's just not gonna happen, right? So you need to get in front of people. So I, mm-hmm. my recommendation is technology to FaceTime, and I and I say FaceTime in quotes, as in like you need to get in front of people. So use technology to do some of the the back end things, but then get. Like your end game should be to get in front of that person face to face, right? I love and, that uh, technology yeah. to FaceTime. That's perfect. Right. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And and that works everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. It does work everywhere. That's for sure. And as far as technology goes, I mean, right now the, our best resource that way is LinkedIn, right? That's what you would say as well. LinkedIn is great. Um, as a younger person, you have to be careful about your 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 Facebook and Instagram and everything else and what you have on there because people like us, I mean, like right. we we check it out, like we're like, okay, there's so much there's so much out there. You can Google people. But LinkedIn is a great tool for people out there. Make sure you in your about section, right? Mm-hmm. You yep. put your phone number or even an email, right? Yeah. So here's the problem, LinkedIn. If your connection if your first connections with somebody, then you have access to their and they have access to your phone number and your email, right? If you're not a first connection, then they have to go through this whole long process of like how to figure out how to how to contact you. The about section, which is as soon as you see the picture, right? So the picture right. of LinkedIn and that's the whole world can see that. So you've got 7 billion people. You know, can see that's that. a really good tip. That's yeah. one, that's a LinkedIn tip I have not heard. And I really like that. Yeah. You're you've right. got to, you've got to make yourself as easy to be 
contacted by recruiters as possible if you're looking for a position. That yeah. makes great sense because otherwise they're just going to move right on to the next person. They're not going to waste their time if, if it's too mm-hmm. hard to get in touch with you. Well, it, it just, I mean, like today's a Thursday, right? So maybe I, you know, I get to talk to Megan, Bobby as candidates. And then, you know, maybe I reached out to, I don't know, to, to Michael, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to figure out how to get to Michael, right? And I get to Michael on Thursday, next Thursday. By then I've already figured out you know, my first couple batch of candidates that I might show, let's say the client or, or that we're going to interview, right? So mm-hmm. the phone number or email, you know, is a good tip. Just put something in there so that they want to reach out to you. And then I would say the first thing is if you get an email from somebody, I would push for at least a phone call if you can. Personality is what gets you, you know, sort of the face-to-face. Usually it's the personality um, that people I buy, agree. right? Mm-hmm. So, but the second thing is just like, so technology to FaceTime. And I would, I would say the, the third thing is, this is a big, big problem with younger people is that they think that they're like the only candidate in the world and like they go out the night before and you need to show up engaged and Mm. very, very well prepared. And you have to study like who you're talking to, the company culture, who works there, what problem they're trying to solve because they're like, this isn't, it's not a charity as as both you guys know, right? Like companies hire. And sometimes as a younger person, when I was younger, I just thought everything was like a charity, right? You know, where like, oh, I just walk in and they, they need to talk yeah. to me and they just need to hire 10 people and how much does it pay? And, and uh, right. I'm here. You're welcome. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but you know what? You just paraphrased my, my like my yeah. seven minute, my seven minute ramble right? with, yeah. with, two, with two words. So, so uh, exactly. I'm here. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you have, right. So you have to, you have to show up and you have mm-hmm. to figure out, okay, wait, they're, they're, they're going to pay me like 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand, 70 grand to solve what, to solve a couple of problems. What, what problems are they really trying to solve? And mm-hmm. you need to take a more mature look at it. And uh, absolutely. Those are three tips, right? So just, don't, you know, don't let technology or, you know, don't just think you're going to apply to a $200,000. It's just not going to happen. You just apply to things online. Number two is, you know, make sure that- Six te- degrees. Yeah, six degree separation, technology yep. to FaceTime, right? Face-to-face. And the last thing is yep. just make sure you're prepared, engaged, and and you study every opportunity. Because that, that one my opportunity might turn into- it, it might turn into something like the most amazing career life event, you know, that you're ever going to have. And you just don't know until you, you give your best. Right. We oftentimes talk about the hidden job market. Would you say that most of the people you recruit or ultimately get hired, are they currently working and not looking for a position or are they actively looking? Right. So I was 99% of the people that we, we deal with, they're passively open to new opportunities, but they're also like very cautious about letting people know that they could be open because there's so much, there's kind of, there's a lot of risk for them, for people to know. But the the hidden job market is, I I mean, I'll give you an example. My recruiting firm, we spend $0 a year on job ads, like zero, right? Wow. So to me, I think the best candidates are the ones that are working. I I could probably take that back. The coronavirus have changed some things, but yeah, you know, so, but in general, the folks that are passively open to new opportunities, they're, you know, I don't know. It just has to be a better fit for everybody. But there's a there's a whole world out there of like, I don't know if you guys have ever been scuba diving, but it's like you get down there and like, whoa, this is cool. It's a whole uh, new world, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So this is a good reason if you are an executive looking to, you know, you're open to a move or you're interested in a move, you can't just publicize that on LinkedIn and, and gear your LinkedIn page for that new position. You kind of have to, working with someone like you would make sense because you can do it on this the sly. Exactly. You know, where not everybody, your current employer and others know that you're looking because, I mean, normally if you're looking for a job, you gear your LinkedIn page 
to that job you're looking for. But if you're trying to do it without people knowing, <laughs> you kind of right. have to, it's tricky. It's a well, tricky there, right. there is there is that uh, setting on LinkedIn where you can right. enable right. job seekers to, to show people that you are interested or open to opportunities. Do you recommend people use that, George? So I would say if, you, if you're if you're unemployed, I would say yes, right? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're employed, and this is if you maybe you're maybe you end up like your first job, you're there for a year or two and you hate it. And you're like, okay, I need to leave. Um, mm-hmm. or you've been there a long time. The company you work at also has access to that. So they can also see it. Well, so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so that's a, that's yeah. a problem. Um, the, the other thing, and this is another tip where if you just totally revamp your LinkedIn profile and like, it's like you get a facelift, you're like, you know, yeah. Your, right. your, your own company's going to notice. They're going to like, right. okay, flag. something's That's up. What I, um, yeah. they, they have apps out there. They have they have programs where they alert you to like, you know, to say, oh, Meg totally changed her. She changed her picture. Yeah. She changed this, changed that. And you can kind of so that there's yeah. uh, technology. Meg's looking for a job. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, so if you're, yeah. if, if you're yeah. cautiously, you know, let's say optimistic about a new opportunity, the best way to do that, you know, in terms of changing your LinkedIn profile would be to slowly trickle things in like once a week, mm-hmm. maybe every two weeks, just little by little. And, right. Little and adjustments here and there. Right, right. Because sometimes some companies get, um, especially at the smaller places, they get sort of offended that you're looking for a new opportunity and they'll just kind of just ask you to go. Right. And um, mm-hmm. you have to yeah. be very, very careful about that. But the trickle method, if you want to call it that, of slowly putting things in, you know, works really, really well. That's a great tip. That is a great tip. And also, if you are working with a recruiter, they can feed more specific information to a company that you can't gear your LinkedIn page towards because because you're trying to fly under the radar a little bit. So, Mm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you talk about rescuing a career that's in the basement. What can you tell us about that? Oh, so in the basement, (laughs) I think, right. So I think the first thing is perspective. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that I hear on the phone on the other end, so, you know, when I talk to candidates is there's, there's like two types of candidates, right? There's like the super upbeat, upbeat, positive, you know, I might be unemployed, but I'm ready to rock. Like, you know what I mean? I've got continuity. And then there's the, I don't know if you've spoken to these kind of, you know, like there's like the down and outer, you know, like life is terrible, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, yeah. the, do- the dog yeah. died, the roof, it's just like, oh mm. my God, right? And right. Uh, right. I think you have to be very careful as a candidate with some of the stress level that's in like unemployed, the stress level that's in, you have to be very careful how you admit that to the rest of the world mm. when things aren't going well, because they... Mm-hmm. Indirectly, they feed off of that energy. And yeah, is it kind of a red flag? Like, oh, I don't know if this would make a good candidate. Like, they might be bringing too much negative energy. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, it is. And your your first impression is uh, sometimes not the best. And and it's just like it's perception. Sometimes is, is reality. And mm-hmm. uh, do you guys want to share the story? What happened this, this, when we just started our podcast? Do you want to do you want to share that story about me? Yeah, if you want to talk sure. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Yeah. So we get on today, right? And I'm supposed to, and, and there's a, by the way, your, your instructions were pretty much fail proof, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the instructions yeah. for the podcast guest today are like, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F. It's like perfectly scripted. So you can't, you can't fail. You, it, it's impossible. Oh, yeah, <laughs> well, you, you that click. makes us feel good. <laughs> right. So, so one of the, one of the things was, Hey, make sure that you have a mic that's plugged. I mean, a, you know, headphones that are plugged in. So there's no echo, right? Mm-hmm. So, right. I've been on so many podcasts that I just do the mic thing without, you know, without the headphones. And uh, the first 60 seconds of us, you know, talking is, hey, George, there's a huge echo. It's definitely you. <laughs> and then I, and then I, then I, then I spent the next like 
three men's fumbling to figure out like, okay, I need to figure this out. And, uh, (laughs) You yeah. did a great job. You oh. you you recovered very quickly. So we're oh, thank you, thank you. But but, I did, but it's also like those are moments like I could have been a total down and outer. Oh my god, the system yeah. where I could be upbeat about right. it, right? Right, was, exactly. I was pretty yeah. upbeat about my failure, right? You know, so right, yeah. Good analogy. <laughs> that that's a great great point. Absolutely, yeah. So energy is energy is everything, right? In terms of when you're looking for a job. Um, activity is also everything you need to, this is a big, big thing that people don't do. You need to do the math in terms of, okay, if it takes me 25 emails to get six phone calls and three of those phone, three of those people cancel me and then I actually speak to three real people and three real people equals, uh, you know, once one onsite interview, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, right. You need to keep, there's keep a of rate math. of attrition there. Yeah. There's an it, attrition exactly, rate. So it, yeah. It, it, Exactly. And statistically, I think since like 1960 something, there's a stat that says you have to do eight on-site interviews to get mm. one job offer, right? Oh, so, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, that is interesting. I like that. So you have to figure out sort of how to reverse engineer it. And you can also keep track of your, some people are, some people are much less. Some people do it in three interviews or on the spot. Some people need more. But everybody has their own sort of mathematical equation of what they need usually, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, as a candidate, and especially if you're unemployed and you're trying to build yourself back up again career-wise, you need to have awesome energy, keep track of the math, and just remember, like, your only job is to get a job, right? So, mm. and the ego thing, the ego is is terrible because some people say, I don't, I don't do that, I won't do that, I won't do this. You'd be surprised what, you know, sometimes mistakes turn into great business models, so. Yeah, yeah. Let's try to be keep a better, more open attitude, I guess. So what does your firm do to, well, let's look at it from both ends, help job seekers, and then what do you do to help businesses or large organizations that are looking for the right executive for them? Right. So for, for job seekers, we run an executive branding company. So we help them with their resumes and and some of them are, you know, folks are in Europe. So we do their CVs and their cover letters and biographies and, and LinkedIn. So we, t- we do that piece. We also, in terms of coaching, we do some coaching as well for them. Uh, that's on the candidate side. On the corporate side, on the I'm going to call it the Fortune 500 side, is we work with some some startups as well. Usually, they they're trying to find a certain type of person culturally, and mm-hmm. they've already gone through the internal process of trying to find people. It hasn't worked out. A lot of times, we'll come in where maybe it hasn't really worked out well for them for three to six months, right? Where they right. and uh, and we kind of come in and it's it's kind of a cliche, but like the sort of needle in the haystack kind of candidate, and they'll say. Find us somebody that has these five things and we'll deliver maybe five candidates that have those exact five things. It's our job to go out there and and find people that are not maybe they're some people don't even have a resume or they haven't done a resume in, I don't know, you know, 10 years. Yeah, haven't um, had to. Right. They're not it, keeping it, it up to date. Exactly. There's a I guess a, a common theme that as a culture that we stress here in my group is we don't oversell the opportunities to the candidates. Right. Because. Mm-hmm. Right of the same experience that I had when I was younger, right? Like I was oversold. Right, right. An opportunity, yes. you know, that really wasn't, and I was lied to. And that whole thing of a lot of recruiters, they have, they have, they're terrible at like responding back or replying back to when the feedback is negative. Um, we don't do that. So That's we're, good. So it's That's like really big, good, yeah. We're big on feedback, right? Positive or sometimes negative, but we're but also But you never on, know, on those candidates might be your next job placement down the road too. So it's no, important exa- to keep exactly. those. 
Yeah. Exactly. Might not be the right fit for this job, but maybe the next one. Exactly. And it seems like, you know, you really get to know your candidates well, so you really have a good feel for where they're going to fit in. Right. And everything comes down to culture mm-hmm. and the, the job market and companies and how they develop. It's it's very much like dating sometimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, even like your first job, like your first job is kind of like your first girlfriend or boyfriend, right? Like you think you're going right. to marry him and, 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 and then you go. It's and for and life. Then, and, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> exactly. And then you go through some rough times. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so it's, it's very much like that. And people, you know, people have to click. And we've represented some really, really smart, smart, smart people, but their people skills sometimes are, you see an awesome resume and mm-hmm. like just a terrific background. And then you, you t- kind of talk to them and they just, then you realize, okay, why has this person been unemployed for six months or nine months? And you realize mm-hmm. a, a yeah. lot of times it's personality and it's it's very similar to dating or relationships or anything else, right? And uh, right. that's a big, big thing with what we try to, when we match companies with candidates and vice versa, we try to match the culture you know, fit almost more importantly than the skill set, right? Right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure the higher the position, the more that is at stake and the more financial investment. So just the more pressure to get the best fit. Right. And they're and they're very careful. I mean, they're very careful who they hire. You know, my 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 experience has always been I was always I think when I was younger, I was always afraid of like the the person that ran the company, you know. And I've realized that they're usually like for the organization, they're usually the nicest person there, you know, a lot of times, right? Yeah. And uh yeah. They're just real people. And did you see that? I don't know if you saw today on the news or yesterday. It was about the the American Airlines CEO who was flying Southwest, and he was talking to the I to didn't. the the, the um, airline hostess. I don't know if you had seen that today, but I did uh, not see it. Tell us yeah. about it. So he was was uh, on a flight, and because of the whole, you know, sort of the situation we've got now, right, with George Floyd, right. I mean, like yeah. the whole countries and, and just uh, so uh, he was in the flight and there was, uh, I guess, an airline stewardess who, you know, for Southwest, who was kind of like bummed out, a little bummed out. Um, she's African, African-American. And uh, they just had this conversation, like this very deep conversation about what's going on. And and, yeah. and, and uh, he introduced himself. He's like, oh, I'm the I'm the um, he was reading a book about about some of this. And he said, oh, I'm the CEO of American, you know, American Airlines. She was like so shocked that she got to meet this guy. And he he later on, he was like, it's one thing to read a book. It's another thing to meet an amazing person, you know, that mm-hmm. this is the way we all should be. And like some of these great leaders and they're, they're just, they're such nice people, you know, and yeah. uh, they have hearts of gold, right? So that's one thing I've, I've learned dealing with with some of the really, you know, and I've dealt with people that are literally, I mean, famous, right? And uh, they're just super nice. So the moral of that story is don't be, I don't know, worked up over meeting someone like that. Or they're intimidated. People. <laughs> don't yeah. be intimidated, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right. And they, they're usually, yeah. they're, they're so used to the other piece of that, like where people are kind of kissing their, you know, it's like, they, mm. it's, I'm sure they love, really nice he loved to engage in a conversation where someone didn't know who he was. So it yeah. wasn't, right. it right. wasn't preempted with uh, <laughs> other things, yeah. you know, so yeah, right. I love that. Uh, and I guess the other moral of that story is there are some good things coming out of all of this. It's just terrible right. what's going on, but. Yep. We need to be better. We need to do better. When you bring prospective candidates that you're looking to place in a job, I assume you bring more than one. You bring maybe three or four or or whatever you bring. Um, So how does that work? Do they ask you who do you really recommend? Or do you just say, I think all five of these or all four of these or whatever would make a great candidate? So so they do, actually. It's a great great question. Like, who do you like? They'll say, who do you like? Right? They they will, actually. Yeah, who do you like? Yeah, that would... I, I would I, ask that in their yeah. position. 
So. Exactly, right? Yeah. It's like it's like your sister says, "Hey, I've got three guys for you to meet." Who, and you, what would you say? You say, "Who do you like best?" Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like, All right. Yeah. Let's yeah. get the rundown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. What you know, and then and then she give the pros and cons, right? And and uh, right, right. Yeah. Right. It's uh, yeah. it's kind of like that. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's very similar. What I've noticed though is that usually the best candidate on paper doesn't get hired. It's usually the most enthusiastic, the most engaged, the one that has the best follow-up skills. It's it's the one that just does their homework. That's usually so it's you know it's kind of a lesson, right? Like you don't you don't have to be the best candidate to to actually right. get you know get the role. But the best pedigree, so to speak, it's more exactly. I guess, but probably anybody you bring to them at that point would make a good candidate. So it probably does boil down to a lot of those qualities at that point. Exactly. I mean, they in terms of candidates, how we do it, we usually we usually do them and we call them you know in batches. So mm-hmm. our our client, the company, let's say they'll meet, let's say five people, right, five to six people. They'll see how that goes, and then. And then we'll have kind of like batch two, right? Which, which would be the other five people. Um, yeah. Sometimes what they do is they'll say, "Hey, okay, we've got we really like these two people from the first batch. Let's see who else is who. Let's see from the second group of people who we can talk to." And uh, they'll say, "You know what? Like number one, like the, from the first group of people, you know, Janet is our number one number one candidate." Let's benchmark her, right? Ver, you know, mm-hmm. to to the other candidates, and they kind of compare. But usually, there's five to seven candidates involved, sometimes more. The, the I guess the the trick sometimes is the companies they they get married very quickly, you know, to like one candidate, and yeah. it's a mistake. They're like, oh, there's there's t- ten candidates. Let's just talk to these two people, you know, which is a mistake. And uh, it's our job to counsel them and tell them, like, listen, hey. If you think they're a great candidate, then some other company probably will think they're a great candidate as well. And you have to be careful of uh, of hedging all your you know bets on, on one horse, right? So it's, Absolutely. It, it's um so that's a but there's usually there's multiple candidates involved. It's not over till it's over, right? So until that candidate is literally sitting in the seat at working at the company, it's literally not over, regardless of what's mm. signed, what, regardless of what you know. It's it's literally not over until that person's working there, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So. You are a retained recruiter, right? Correct. So, how does that compare to a contingency recruiter? Right. Great. Great question. So, retained. Um, so, retained means that for the for the company, for us to start a recruiting search or search, the the company will pay us a portion up front. So, they'll pay us. In our case, we we charge fifty percent up front of the total compensation. Right of the person mm-hmm. and then we engage and then when we find the correct candidate they'll pay the other they'll release the other 50%, right? So that's what retained is, almost like a lawyer uh, right. is retained. Mm-hmm. I like that model from a, if you're a candidate, I like that model because it's yeah. it's um financially I'm obligated to do well by co- the company as well as the candidate. I want to make sure that the right fit um, because if there's if it doesn't if it's not the right fit and they hire the wrong person then you know, we have to return all of the money, right? So it's really correct. really risky. Yeah. So um, you have more invested into this, the, ex- into ex- both ends. The exactly. Person, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I was placed. I was when I was back in the day. I was placed by a contingency recruiter, which is like we need to hire somebody. They usually give it to like five or six agencies, and who's whoever has the best candidate wins, kind of thing. Right. And, uh, they have really no interest. Like there, there's really no. They're they're more worried about sometimes about serving the client. Um, right. More than getting, numbers than game. Yeah. yeah. Just getting yeah. somebody in as quickly as possible. That's basically the- right. And then hoping they stick, right? I don't know. I mean, the, the there's a lot of great contingency recruiters and we we, we initially mm-hmm. started that way and then we kind of, then we kind of developed into you get to a point where you have you have too many clients and you tell your clients, like, hey, 
we're bu- we're kind of swamped. So if you need to, if you wanted to work with us, we need we need to put this thing on retained, right? Mm-hmm, and yeah. uh, so we got to that point, which is a great you know supply demand point to get to. Yeah. But the contingency is really really rough um, because you need to like you need to be careful um, as a candidate. You know who has sort of like do they really have your best interest at heart? And um, yeah. mm-hmm. it's I, I like the retained side much much better. You know, it's yeah, like it feels so, to me yeah. as well. <laughs> so it's, there's nothing that the candidate has to. There's no cost to them, correct? Exactly. Sometimes you'll you'll see there's a lot there's some of these scams out there where the, they try to charge candidates to find mm. them a hundred opportunities or something like that. You, you see that in twenty years that I've done this, I've never charged a candidate to place them or find them a job ever. And I and I get sometimes I get offered as well like, hey George, if you place me, I'll give you a percentage of the. I I've never even accepted that, or it's it's to me it's just not the way yeah. the business works. Yeah, the company's yeah, paying thanks. the comp the company if you're retained or contingency is paying our fee, right? So right. now the resume branding and other things and and, right. and the coaching, that's that's a separate that's, service. Yeah, and that's, that's outside a, of right, it. Sure. Right, right. So my takeaway from that is make sure you never pay for a recruiter. If you are being asked to, it's probably a scam. Right, right. <laughs> so as you know, we like to talk about college as well as career on this podcast. And you attended Seton Hall and Oxford University. Right. So if you could tell us a little bit about each of those experiences and maybe, I don't know, what kind of student might fit in well there and how you think it helped you in your career. That's a great question. So, so I did undergrad at Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied finance. I do zero finance right now, right? So it's not right. Right. <laughs> uh, um, I, I happen to like finance and accounting, which I don't know why. I mean, I liked it in theory, and then I got a job, and I was like, oh my god, this is so boring. Like, get me out of this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I did. I did that. The school. Mm-hmm. It's a so it's a big East school. Lots of. It, I think it's changed a little bit now, but. Back then, it was a lot of blue collar sort of kids that were either first generation or second generation. Like they were just going to school, and it was their first time, and mm-hmm. that was the that was kind of the makeup. It was a lot of kids who had a good work ethic. They just didn't have the. They, it was the first time they might have been the first person in their family going to university, right? So that's that was the. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's a little different. Now I think it's it's a little more expensive, uh, and it might be a different type of student. But that was the type of people that yeah. I went to school with. So Oxford, I did economics. Oxford was a crazy, just out of the world, you know, like it was just a different experience. Altogether, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was the first time I'd never traveled. I'd never been out of the country. I think I'd been to like six states. Wow. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I was so ignorant of, of how things worked and, and, and the world. And, and uh, but I, I realized how small the world was, you know, like just by, right, yeah. by living there. And I, I realized. I think when I was a younger kid, I think I had this this sort of this complex of like maybe there's there's so many people that are smarter and brighter and everything else than me, right? I mean, I don't sometimes you get you get that. But then I got to this 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 Oxford place and I was like, okay, well, they're not they're any different they're not any different than I am, right? Like I'm just some kid from the northeast. Right. Like my grandfather, my first grandfather, my mom's side never got past the sixth grade. The other side was a like a truck driver, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, yeah. Oxford's a very classist place where everybody. One of my best friends there was. Uh, they used to own. They own part of the family. Owned part of Guinness, right? Uh, yeah. The other. Yeah. Not a bad company. Yeah. There, my right? other. My, yeah. other my, my other friend. Uh, this is my other friend. 
his wife just ran for prime minister this year. And uh, wow. Yeah. So and he was like she was kind of the tag along girlfriend, you know, like and uh, <laughs> wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was my drinking buddy and uh, she would show up from London. Yeah. And, and then like so. That's so yeah, cool. this is a different world. Right. And uh, yeah. right. Interestingly enough, you're our third guest on this podcast that has been to Oxford. So oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's kind of a small world for an all things college and career here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you if you can if you can do like this is just as, as an experience there's so many great cities in the world if you can if you can figure out a way to go study in some other place it's it's an amazing yeah. my, i've got two kids a nine a nine and a five-year-old and uh mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that i'm going to send you know my both of my kids to europe to go to university instead of here in the states and uh mm-hmm. yeah. just because of the, ex- the experience oh yeah it's terrific i mean you just your 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 concept of the world is, is just different so that's that was kind of the takeaway that i got from living in and hanging out in england it's just a cool, you know, Europe is just fun to, to hang out in too, right? So that was the, that opened up the world for me, you know? And, uh, yeah. yeah. And that was the, that was sort of the idea um, for that. But that's, yeah, I mean, I think as a, as a kid, if, if you can figure out a way to go to school someplace else that's not here in the United States, you know, just totally do it. Because no, even if you have to go in debt to do it, quite like I went in debt to do that. Uh, yeah. It's so worth it because the money you can always make later, but the experience, it's literally, right. it's priceless. And if not, at least maybe a study abroad program if you can't do the full fledged. But exactly, but well, the study abroad are yeah. easy, right? Because you just it connects with the school, and then the, you pay the school, and the loans right. are tied together. It's an and easy. They're awesome, yeah, awesome experiences. But just one other brief thing I want to bring up before we wrap this up. Um, so we understand you're an ultra runner. You've done a fifty miler. What yeah. can you tell us about that? Oh my god! <laughs> it, it was uh, I started getting the running when I was like I started to do running. I was like, okay, cool. I did a 10k, then I did a half marathon, and I, then I got in this group, this running group, and uh, I I went from the 21k to the 80k, which is like 50 mile 50 milers without ever doing a marathon. Right. And uh, wow, it was just it was that's based it was based on somebody saying it was a group of runners who were marathon runners saying like, hey, that's crazy. You sh- you know you need to run a you should run a marathon before you run an ultra marathon. You know, I don't know. I just thought, well, they, they really don't have any experience running an ultra. I, sh- I should try it. You know, worst case scenario, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I hit the... Uh, you drop out. Yeah, or, right. or at least I hit the marathon distance, right? Like, even if I drop out, at least right. I did the marathon, right? And, right. and, uh, right. and the, you know, this is a, this is interesting. I, you train for like a long... I trained for like a year, year and a half for this thing. And... Yeah. I bet. Yeah. And I've, I've run more more ultra marathons now than I've run marathons in my... In, you know, I've been doing this for like 10, wow. 10 years now, the running thing. Good for you. So, but you learn more about yourself than the distance that, that you're going to run. So that, you know, like to me, if it could be yoga, it could be weights, it could be, I don't know, it could be just going up and talking to a stranger, right? Like it could be anything that yeah. you have these fears yeah. in life and you, you always learn more about yourself. Like you think you're going to learn one thing and you learn something totally different, right? And that's, that to me hmm. is kind of what I learned about running. I thought, like, I thought I was going to r- learn how to run 50 miles and I finished learning like, Hey, like I'm, I'm pretty resilient, you know, I'm exactly. yeah. pretty, you know, I can do things that I don't want to do sometimes. And, it, and, uh, that was for me to take away for that. And that's why I like running, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. It seems like yeah. a really fun culture environment. I was just going to say, it's like the, yeah, it's the cool. people that do ultras. Are, yeah. Drinker. Yeah. Oh, we drink, I mean, drink with it during events. We drink beer. I mean, it's, it's, you know, like it's, yeah. it, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's like an eating contest and you run as well because it's, it's so long that you need to eat. You know, so oh for oh, sure, yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, you gotta pack in the calories. Yeah. yeah, it's fun though. It's yeah. cool. I mean, I'd recommend it if yeah. But everybody has that ultra something in their head, right? It might be a different 
sport or a different right. fear. Different version. Yeah. yeah. But I did it. I was kind of afraid to do it. And that's why I did it. So it was, it was, I, then I got hooked. So. Well, kudos. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I guess yeah. we should get on to the rapid fire though. Are you ready for that, Bobby? I am ready. Are you ready, George? I, I'm going to get in trouble by this. So uh, yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> no, you're not. You're going to do great. Okay. Are you a good dancer? Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love the certainty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our family loves to dance. So yeah. Like, I, and the I'm minute sh- we... Yeah, I'm not sure any of us could classify ourselves as good dancers, but we do. Well, love I, used to live, I lived in I lived in I lived in Miami for like seven eight years, so you oh. learned very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so you yeah, quickly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, for that. you. Well, we're gonna need to see a video of that, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, favorite pizza topping? Ooh, uh, I love uh, I love mushrooms on my pizza. Just mm-hmm. mushrooms, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Wow, straight mushrooms. All right, I like it. Did you play a sport in high school? And if so, what was it? I did. I played. I played basketball. I played basketball and I played baseball. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah, I played both actually. And uh, I was like, I was fascinated by just. I don't know. Nice to run a lot as well too. I was just, but I was, but you know, officially, I played basketball and baseball. Good for you. So, awesome. like, were you any good? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was. So I, I was. Uh, we, we, I come from a. T- I mean, the town, the baseball town I was in. I think there was like six or seven people made it to the major leagues, right? So I played mm-hmm. with a lot of these kids that made it to the major leagues, and wow. I was always, you know, on these all star teams and traveling teams, and and I was always, uh, you know, starting. In so the, you in were the, good. You were. Well, good. I mean, I was. I wasn't. I, I think I was. You didn't get I, recruited, I, but <laughs> I was uh, actually. So this is interesting. I had a, I had a chance to play Division three basketball, but um, yeah. uh. the, the the problem is I'm like five nine, five nine and a half. So I'm kind of sure I was. I was always. It just wasn't. Right. And I yeah. so had a chance to play Division three basketball, and I decided not to just because I thought mm-hmm. in my education was going to be worth way more than just to go to the school that maybe I didn't mm-hmm. want to go to. So right. uh, I was good enough to to possibly get a scholarship to play. You know, at some of these. Division two, Division three schools, right? So well, there you go. That's something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. The most used app on your phone. Uh, it's. I mean, it's super simple. I, I use WhatsApp. Like you can't believe. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What's up? Well, that's because you have European clients, and yes. you probably have a lot of friends in Europe too. Exactly. From going to Oxford. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. First thing you notice about a person. Uh, their smile. Uh, me too. I always yeah. say that. It's the smile. That's what uh, gets me. All right. Would you bungee jump? Uh, I've done I've done it actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, so so, I, so here's a story. I'm actually when the when the COVID-19 yeah. thing kind of frees up, I'm actually taking uh when I was at Oxford I learned how to fly plane gliders, right? Yeah. And, uh, so I've never like I've never flown, you know, here in the states like a two, you know, like a, so I'm going to start taking flying lessons wow. when hopefully in the summer like you know, these, these sort of two seater, four seater Cessnas. And, and, uh, I'm going to start doing that when I was supposed Does to do that it. Does that make you an adrenaline junkie or are you just like adventurous? Uh, yeah. How I mean, you, I was, how would you I was, say? I mean, I was triggered by, I was, I was buying term life insurance and, and one of the questions, <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the questions they had asked was like, have you ever, have you flown or are you going to fly a plane in the next whatever, so many days? And, yeah. I, and I answered no. And I thought, man, that's a great idea. And, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I, I got, I got that's home. too funny. Yeah. And I got home and I told my, I told my wife, I'm like, this is a great idea. She's like, that's a terrible idea. You know, it's a great <laughs> idea. And uh, then I had to go, then I had to go to Miami, literally on a flight. I'm, I'm waiting oh. and, you know, through the, I'm thinking, why am I waiting in these lines? Like I right. should just fly myself. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, 
So I've yeah. got this, I've got this in the, I've got this uh, bug that I'm, I mean, I'm totally doing it. Like if, when we talk in a year, like you're up, you know, it's, it's hundred percent. I'm getting this thing done. Right. Yeah. So, we're going to have to, yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah, have yeah. to check back <laughs> with you for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Just drop you a line. Yeah. How's that going? Awesome. <laughs> okay. All right. What is the worst style choice you've ever made? <laughs> like clothing wise? Uh, sure. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was, I think it was haircuts. Haircut. When I, yeah. yeah. When I was like 13, 14, 15, there was haircuts. It was just, I think Did you was, have a bowl was, cut or what'd you get? What'd you have? Going? I don't know. It was just like super, it was like, it was very, it was, it was, um, it was like very, it wasn't crew cutty, but it was like military, 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 I guess militaristic. Is that a word even? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, sure. yeah. Um, I had that. And then when I was younger, I think I did. I think I said roll the jeans. If I remember that correctly, I don't remember. Oh that. yeah, you uh, tied around the ankle. Yeah, I used to do that. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that trend. Uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, terrible. I, I did. I, I did that. Um, those are probably the two. I mean, I'm sure. You know, and I'm sure. Um, I've, I've got way more. You know, than that, yeah, right. that's what I remember. Like the traumatizing no. part of it, right? Those are the good. Those are good ones, right there. Okay, yeah. name a chore you hate doing. Uh, I, I hate, hate, hate. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I like with a with a with a passion. Passion. Uh, like, I could. I hate. I hate taking the garbage out. Like hate it. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know what it was gonna. I'm trying to think. Yeah. All right. What's something really bad? No, yeah. no. It's the garbage. It's like. It's cause the I, I mean, I have two, I've got two kids that I delegate that to now, and but uh, I. Uh, oh my god, do I hate that? Like I just, I'm, I'm such a yeah. garbage taker out or procrastinator. You know, like it's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it starts to accumulate a bit. Yeah, it, yeah. It's good to know these things about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Something on your bucket list. So, the, so the pilot thing is is, is on my yeah. list. Yeah, um, I was going to oh, say yeah. that. Good we can yeah. answer good that. Yeah, yeah, I was I was planning planning on living in Italy for two to three months. Um, oh wow! So I can get my I want to get my kids you know EU citizenship and it's easier. If you do it, you know, as a resident yes. when you live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was I was supposed to be there. I was supposed to take flying lessons from March to about June, July, and then go to Italy. Um, so that's all my that's all my list of wow. Uh, things Sounds that, like things a pretty good agenda yeah. coming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, George, you feel you can work from anywhere, is that, or are you taking like a leave of absence, you know, sabbatical right. or whatever? So, the, so I've got thirty people in my team. I say thirty, but I'm like number. 30 or number one right? i'm probably third, number right. 30 on that right list but um <laughs> the, the mo- right the, the model we have is everybody works virtually and works remotely as of nice 2009 nice. right so when i when yeah. i lost everything i also lost two offices and i decided like never again will right. i have an office so we decided we invested a lot of money in technology so everybody actually i have somebody that works for me he's um he works on my team he's he's british he spends like eight months a year in peru and he spends four months a year in england right Awesome. And, uh, you go. Yeah. So you. So I mean, if you work for me, you get to like work with me. You get to live, work. You know, you can do anything you want. Um, I like it. I'm just hiring. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw a post on LinkedIn that said, uh, "Working from home is so 2000. Working from anywhere is 2020. Now that's what, the new trend." Well, true, and right? I'm sure so. you're you were really thankful with you know with the COVID and everybody having to stay home. Oh that you my were already gosh! Set yeah. Up for it. Yeah. yeah. It was no transition for you. <laughs> Yeah, zero, right? So I've got right, yeah. way, what I do, what I do is I have I rent an office um, just for me personally, and mm-hmm. um, just like it's actually by chance it's in a medical building, so it's it's open one hundred percent of the time. But and then I travel. I use some of these these offices where you get your own office, you close the door, like the WeWorks or the Regions yeah, yeah. of the world, mm-hmm. and. Yep. Uh, so I do that, or sometimes I just sometimes I'll work from the beach. I mean, not really. It's really hard to. It's just not a. 
You but can't it, see it, a scream, otherwise. Yeah, and, and I think it's it, it's like it's it, it's like cool for about forty five seconds, and then the mosquitoes start biting you, and then like yeah, the bugs, and then yeah. it's sandy, and you're like, right. yeah, it sounds I don't know. better yeah. than it is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So like, I could pick up my family t- tonight. We could go to we could go to I don't know to China, and we could like my life would be fine, right? Like I don't. Wow, need to, that so is. Kind I of, love that. Yeah, it's good. That is, good. That is a great situation. Yeah. All right, wait, one more question. I thought you know you thought you were done, but I have one. Awesome. You, you guys are you guys are terrific by the way. I want to I want to throw that in there. Oh, thank you so, so much. Thanks. Yeah, you're, you're terrific. terrific. You're thank such you. a yeah. guest. Definitely. We could talk for another hour, but we're trying to be, you know, respectful. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. Are you a good cook? Yes. Yes. So I All right. uh, well, wow. I, mean, I, I don't know. If, I mean, I cook. I mean, to give you an idea, I cook uh so pasta, I eat homemade pasta. I mean, I make homemade pasta. I don't I don't like no yep. n- no no in our house we don't have a microwave. There's no um, mm-hmm. there's no can opener. Everything's pretty much homemade. Nice. Make, make my nice. own breads. Uh, we make wow. our own butter. We make our own wow. cheese. Yeah. Own um, butter. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, wow. it's all fresh. Listen, it's, I'm going to yeah. forgive you for not bringing out the trash because <laughs> yeah. you can dance <laughs> right. and cook. you can cook. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. We Who have cares to about the trash. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, well, cooking, cooking is a great, I mean, I learned, so I learned cooking when I was so dirt poor, when I had me this business for the first three years, right. making money. Like, right. I mean, even like, pasta they say it's cheap but it's not cheap when it's expensive right like you're like i can't correct make. so yeah. yeah yeah so you know i learned how to make pasta i learned how to make cheese i learned how to make just all these different things um wow That's yeah it's just i think it's a great and with youtube right there's so many great yeah, things well, on YouTube. i know you yeah? could learn everything now yeah it's, yeah it's true like, that's so yeah, true it's just, it's do you cool, have a favorite or a favorite a favorite youtube per- person yeah. or a favorite yeah um there's a there's a there's a guy i'm not i'm not vegan but he does really good food there's a guy um called simnet nutrition he does mm-hmm. like does vegan food but very clean you know right. healthy um yeah. just just and it's just a he's a canadian he's he's fun to watch um well, we'll you know, have watch, to check it out yeah, yeah i think it's called it's simnet nutrition is i forget his first name but he just cooks really clean i like i like clean fresh like non-processed food right so yeah yeah it's and and like both you guys have been to europe i think the interesting thing about i used to live in barcelona by the way and Mm, yeah the thing i like about barcelona and italy and some of these countries um is that they've taken like three or four ingredients and they and it's like it's it's so basic and it's it's so good wow right yeah so so true that is so true yeah Oh, well, George, it has been wonderful having you on. And we've really learned a lot about what it takes to be an executive recruiter. And uh, you also shared a lot of great job seeking tips with our listeners. So thanks so much for coming on today. Well, sharing Megan, Bobby, all you thank, know. Thank, thank you. And and uh, and this is just as like a tip. I mean, I'm in general always, you know, excited about everything. Right. But right. But as a yeah, but as a candidate, you need to be excited about opportunities and people you talk to and and, and that's what, you know, people get, they, they're drawn to that, right? So if you can. Great it's advice. A, it's a big tip for, for a lot of the younger ones out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, George, thanks a lot. We had a lot of fun, but real quick before you, we let you go, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you. So they can, so if you're younger than 40, right, you can send, <laughs> yeah. so, right, right. So you can just do Instagram, right? Which is just, it's exec underscore headhunter. You can send me invite just you know message whatever right so exec exec underscore headhunter um okay. and if you're older than 40 you can use email right so right. Uh, <laughs> and you can just send an email right to george at mcgarrengroup which is mc 
G-E-H-R-I-N group.com. All right. And we will put all that in the show notes, but (laughs) we wanted you to get it out there too. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You guys too. Thanks. You guys, you guys are awesome. Thanks again for having me on. Oh, thanks so much for coming on. Have a great day. Well, that was a great interview. George did not disappoint. What definitely not. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, right? He's just got a ton of information and I think a lot of good tips for anybody that was listening. Right. It sounds like he runs an amazing business and really dedicated not only to his clients, but to the candidates that he helps to place and definitely interesting person in terms of running ultras and wanting to learn how to fly and he cooks and Mm. he dances. He's just a very (laughs) well-rounded. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks for listening to the podcast today. And if you guys could do us a favor and just take a minute to subscribe and follow us, that would be terrific. Absolutely. We appreciate all of you that take the time to do that. And thanks so much for tuning in today. We really appreciate everybody that listens. Have a great day, everyone. Yeah, we sure do. Have a great day. And this has been an Academic and Career Advising Services production.